Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. As you wait for the crowd, tell the world of the treasure you found. Well, good morning. Scripture that Justin read from Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, part of that verse is probably one of the most comforting verses in all Scripture. It says, seeing that we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus says, we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. You know, every Sunday, we all come in here usually with smiles on our faces, don't we? Uh, we all look like on the outside, everything's good, but if we're all honest, we all have stuff sometimes we bring in here. Sometimes we can leave it at home, but a lot of times we bring it in and we can fake it. But as we gather in this room this morning to worship, we have a God who understands, a God who calls us and welcomes us. It is a throne of grace. And for that reason, we should be able to sing with the overflow of our heart, with great joy, with great confidence, but humbly come before our gracious God. And we have so much to be thankful for today. But we want to welcome you here to the service. Um, and it's so good to see everybody again. Hopefully you got the message this week as everybody's come back in. We've tried to make it accommodating and uh, it seemed like last week y'all were kind of packed every other row so we felt like it'd be best to open up the whole auditorium and if any time when you come in here on Sunday mornings through this time that we're still trying to adjust to uh, if you feel like you need to pull a chair off to the side to be safe that's fine nobody's going to judge you for that that is perfectly fine or if somebody sits down beside of you and you feel like they're a little bit too close just go to somewhere that's open we want you to feel like you're comfortable being here and not at risk um, but we are so glad that y'all are coming back today especially if you're visiting with us uh, we're so glad to have you today, and as you leave today, if you're visiting, maybe the first or second time, please stop by the guest table. As you go down the hallway and to your left, we have a table set up, and there's a guest bag we'd encourage you to take. We also would ask that you fill out a guest card, and you can leave that there or leave it with one of our hospitality team members that may be there at the desk. We'd love to have a record of your visit, but right now, we're going to ask everyone to please stand, and as we have been doing, just wave at somebody this morning. You can blow them a kiss if you really like them, and you know them. Make sure you know them. But welcome one another to the service.
Amen. Aren't you glad to be his? Before I came up here, I saw Matt in his uniform. I thought about the medical people who were serving our country, uh, serving the people in the hospitals and taking care of them. Matt, thank you for your service. And for those who are in the medical field, we thank you. My son's in the medical field. He came to our house last night. He said, Dad, I, I called out because it's been since December since I've done it. He said, I was under so much stress. And it's a stressful time. But you know what? God is the answer. And we know that. I want to share with you a verse in Matthew 6, 33. Church, please grab hold of this. Pray this prayer this week. But seek first the kingdom of God. Just seek Him. This week. Nothing else. Nothing more. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things we worry about, God will supply what we need. Do you believe that, church? Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we come before your throne. Father, you said to be still and to know that you're God. And Father, we thank you that you're God alone. There is none other beside you. You're on your throne. And Lord, we pray that your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Give us your guidance, steps to take. Let Help us to let your light shine that all men may see you in us. And Father, this morning, help us to seek your righteousness and your will. And Father, we pray, Father, for all those who are working across our nation in the medical field this morning. We pray you'd give them peace and rest stress they've been under. This past week as we prayed for our administration in schools, our school teachers and students, we prayed for them again this week. God, that you just give them the peace and the comfort they need as they go through this, these times of many decisions. Lord, may we look up and to find our rest in you, to find our strength in you and our hope in you. Because, Father, we're not alone. I pray you'd order our steps as your people. That God, we might walk in your righteousness. And not our own strength, and not our own mind, but God in the Spirit of the Lord. And I pray this morning that you'd have the preeminence of this place this morning. And that your Holy Spirit would have the Lordship in our hearts and our minds. That we might be who we need to be before you. Thank you for loving us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
Thank you, Sarah. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to Romans chapter 8 with me. We've been looking at this chapter for about the last two months, and you can stand, if you will. And as you're finding your place, I just want to remind you, it's in your bulletin, but next Sunday we're going to have a business meeting as soon as the service is over. We're going to vote on the upcoming deacons, budget report, and nominate committee report. And we're going to do all that in like five minutes, so it'll be a blessing. So at the end of the service uh, next Sunday, please be here for that. If you have any questions up until that time, you can contact me if you will. Uh, the Bible is, without a doubt, the greatest book that's ever been written. Many scholars and pastors will say Romans is the greatest letter that's ever been written. And most will say in Romans, Romans chapter 8 is the greatest chapter that has ever been written. And as we've been looking last week, or the week before last, we talked about how even the earth groans for the glory that is to come. 
And today we're going to look at believers and why we groan, but we're going to look at four words and just four words only. In verse 23, if you'll find your place, notice what Paul says, not only that, going back to creation, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body, for we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, you promised that your word would not return void. And Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for how you have, um, Lord, blessed us through this chapter. Lord, it's helped me uh, personally, uh, Lord, and I pray that it's helped others as well. Father, today, as we learn about our groanings, I pray that you would be honored and glorified. And I pray that, Lord, as we learn about our groanings, we'll learn a little bit more about ourselves. And Father, you said it has been predestined that you would conform us into the image of Christ. And Father, I pray that this service would push us toward that, that way as well. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for allowing us to meet together. I thank you for everyone that's watching online, for those in the parking lot, for those that are here. Uh, Father, I pray that we'd be different because of today. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So we're going to look at four words this morning. The first one is Holy Spirit. We're going to look at the Holy Spirit. And if you'll notice in verse 23... Paul says this, not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Uh, John MacArthur put it, put it this way, the Holy Spirit is God's active presence in the world. We don't see Jesus, we don't see God, but we do see the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told Nicodemus, it's kind of like the wind. You don't see the wind, you see the evidence of what the wind is doing. When I look out among this congregation, I see evidence of the Holy Spirit in your lives. I've known many of you before you came to Christ, and those of you that have come Christ, since I've been here, I see the Holy Spirit's work in your lives. And what Paul has been teaching us in Romans chapter 8 is this. You cannot live the Christian life apart from the Holy Spirit. You just can't do it. The only person who ever did was Jesus, and the Holy Spirit worked with Jesus. Okay, Even though he's God in flesh and his humanness, the Holy Spirit worked with him. No one can live the Christian life in their own strength. The Holy Spirit is mentioned 19 times in the first 27 verses of Romans 8. Now, as by way of review, notice some things that we've looked at that it, that it deals with the Holy Spirit. Verse 2, the Holy Spirit is described as the Spirit of life. That's where we get our life from, the Holy Spirit. Not only that, verse 4, we are to walk according to the Spirit. Walk according to the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh, is what Paul tells us. We're to walk according to the Spirit. Verse 9, we look at this verse. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of Christ. Both the Father and the Son have sent the Spirit. Verse 11, Paul talks about the power of the Spirit. The Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. And this Spirit dwells in you to to recreate the life of Christ. Notice verse 13. This was one we spent a lot of time on. It is by the Spirit that we put to death the deeds of the flesh. And what I talked about that, that Sunday was this. That we're all different, right? God saved me when I was 20. I grew up and never went to church. Grew up in a single parent home. Uh, my teenage years and my, when I turned 20, every night of my life was, I was by myself. No direction. Just immature and immoral. So when God saved me, the deeds of the flesh that I dealt with, a lot different than yours. Isn't it amazing how different God makes us? I mean, think about this. Isn't it amazing how you like certain foods and I don't? And I like certain foods and you don't. I mean, how many of you like steak? I love it. I like steak. Now, listen, not only do you like steak, I like mine medium rare. I like mine so medium rare that a good veterinarian could bring it back to life. That's how I like it. All right. Some of you, 
Some of you in here, look at me. Some of you people, you really strange people. You like cabbage. Now, I, I, when I taste cabbage, I think, how can another person like it? Do you have a different tongue? I mean, what, what is it that makes you like cabbage? I don't understand it. It don't look good. It don't taste good. It don't even have a smell to it. And then some people put weenies in it. It's called, what is it called? Sour, sauerkraut, whatever that is. Some people like that. How? But think about this in your, in your, in your nature. Now, think about this. God said that he put the Holy Spirit in your life to help you personally put to death the deeds of your flesh. All right? God has given you the ability to put to death the deeds of the flesh. Mine are different than yours for the most part. Okay? Wouldn't it be wrong for me as a Christian to judge another Christian who's struggling? That just blows my mind. I just don't understand that. That's one of the things as a young Christian when I started going to church... I said, how could you <laughs> talk bad about them just because they're struggling? They're good people. They're just struggling. We're going to look at Paul's struggles here this morning. And I'm so thankful God put them in the Bible. Not only that, but notice what else. And this is such a blessing, that what God has done for us. Verse 14, this goes back to verse 13. says, we are led by the Spirit. Now, I talked that morning about how God, God led me to these tales. He did. It was just a, it was just a God thing. In my spiritual life, God led me by the Holy Spirit taking baby steps. But that is not what this verse is talking about. This verse is talking about God will lead you into holiness. God, the Holy Spirit will tell you no. The Holy Spirit will bring conviction in your life in sin issues. Aren't you thankful? Now, your conscience will tell you things, but the Holy Spirit of God will tell you as well. All right? That's what that means. And then you go on down and you see here verse 15 and 16 is the Holy Spirit who testifies to our spirit that we are children of God. And we talked about how the Holy Spirit will reassure you of your salvation. And I shared that morning about the fact that I never doubted my salvation when I was lost, ever. But after I got saved, I doubted my salvation a lot. But it was the Holy Spirit continually reassuring me that I was God's child. And then in verse 23, we see the first fruits of the Spirit. And then in verse 26 and 27, next week, we're going to look at how the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. And aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful for the Holy Spirit? You cannot be a child of God without the Holy Spirit. Notice what he says in verse 23. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits. Now notice the word first fruits. This is what Stephen Lawson said. He said, Paul takes from harvest time an illustration that all his readers would have understood. In Leviticus, the believing Jew was to take the first grain of the harvest to the priests. And it would become a symbol that the farmer's entire harvest was consecrated and dedicated to the glory of God. The first fruit was a gift to God. So in Jewish days, you were so dependent on rain. If it did not rain, you had no crops. And people would pray and say, God, would you please let it rain because we want to eat. We want to have, have grain. Grain uh, uh, affected everything. And then when God would send the rain and they would have a crop, they would take the very best, the first, take it to the priest, saying, we trust you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We have this crop. We worked it. But, Lord, you brought the crop. And we're trusting you with this so much so that we're going to give you the best that we have and then give it to the priest and the priest would shake it up in the air praying for more to come. Okay, It's kind of like when you give a tithe. You bring your first fruit. Lord, it is you who give me the ability to have this job, to have this intellect. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you with my first fruits. Now notice what Stephen Lawson says about that. He says this. Paul, however, reverses the Old Testament idea and the New Testament principle 
In this text, the first fruit is not something the believer gives to God. The first fruit is something God has given to the believer. And that something is someone, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, then, is the first payment from God on our incredible, eternal inheritance as a bride of Christ. The Spirit signifies that there's more to come. Just like the priests would shake the grain and say, they've been so good, God, you're going to send them more. God says, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit now, but something even better is coming. Because if you notice in verse 23, it says that we, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption. That's our inheritance. We looked at how Paul said that we are heirs of God, God himself, heirs of Christ, heirs of suffering, and heirs of glory. And we talked about God and heirs of Christ, that we have an inheritance, that, that God has blessed us so much. And what Paul is telling his readers once again is this, the Holy Spirit is kind of like the down payment on that. Lawson goes on to say this, the Bible teaches us that the believer's salvation and future reward is secured by God, the Spirit. Paul assured the Corinthians when he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. Now listen to this verse. Paul says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God, who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge, as a down payment, telling us this is the first fruits, that there's more to come. Lawson goes on to say this. In other words, the security of the believer is not related to how much you grow. Listen to this. Your eternal security is not based on your performance. Now listen. In other words, the security of the believer is not related on how much you grow, how obedient you are, how sinless you become, how committed you act. Isn't that amazing? Aren't you thankful? See, when the Lord first saved me, I thought I had to read my Bible more, which I should read my Bible more. Every time I did not live up to my expectations, I said, am I a Christian? <laughs> am I born again? That's just how immature I was in my thinking. I thought I have to do more and more and more and more to please God. Your salvation is not based on your performance. Isn't that a blessing? Your salvation, because the Holy Spirit is in you. Okay. Notice what else he says. This is, this is wonderful. He says, these are all wonderful things and may very well indicate the reality of living faith. But the security of the believer is not related to that. And, he says, I am glad it is not, because we can all grow more, become more obedient and less sinful. We can become more passionately committed, all of us. The security of the believer is not related to what the believer does for God, but for what God has done for the believer. As believers, our security is not found in what we give him, but what he has given us. Aren't you thankful? This word, the Holy Spirit, is so important. I'm so thankful that my salvation is not dependent on me. I heard John MacArthur saying the other day, he's 80. He said, if I could lose my salvation, I would every day. I would. Aren't you thankful we can't? I'm so thankful for God, for the Holy Spirit, the first fruits of the Holy Spirit. The first fruits of the Holy Spirit in your life is the Holy Spirit. Notice the second word. Look at this word, groaning. The word means to sigh. One scholar said, it is as groaning because of an undesirable circumstance. It's groaning in the sense that you want to be delivered from your present dilemma. It's groaning because of unfulfillment. It's groaning because of suffering and pain that needs to be relieved. It's groaning because of an undesirable circumstance. Notice how it's used in the Bible over and over again. In Acts 7, 34, if you'll show the next slide, brother. In Acts 2, 5, and 4, Paul talks about, for we who are in this tent, we groan. This tent means our body. And pa Paul is saying, 
as he looked back over his life, he says, I am groaning because I'm in this tent and I'm ready to be delivered. Notice in Acts 7.34, the writer of Acts says this, I've certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt and I've heard their groans. This is talking about whenever God was delivering the uh, Jews from Egypt. They were making bricks every day and they were crying out to God saying, will you please deliver us? And after 400 and some years, he did. Then in Hebrews 13.17, obey your leaders and submit to them for they keep watch over your souls as those who, who will give account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief or groaning. So when you see that word groan in verse 23, notice that it again says not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. We groan. It's the sighing of a longing soul desiring to be relieved from present painful circumstances. And that's how the word is used here. We have the Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. And every one of us knows this. Before I became a Christian, I did not understand how sinful sin was, right? But after I became a Christian and God saved me, and as I grew spiritually, I saw, I saw the impact of my sin. And I saw how bad sin was. And what that did was that, that can bring incredible guilt. And it's like Paul is saying this. He's saying, I want to be out of this. He says, we groan for the adoption, which talks about our inheritance, but also the redemption of our body. And why would he say that? Because Paul dealt, he struggled with sin. And it brought an incredible amount of guilt and disappointment in his life. So he's not only longing for heaven, but he's longing for, to be delivered. MacArthur put it this way. It is the power and presence of the Spirit of God in our transformed lives that gives us holy longings and holy desires which are so debilitated by the presence of sin. And that's why we groan. He goes on to say this. Unbelievers don't groan. They just don't worry about it. Before the Lord saved me, I didn't groan. Never groaned. But since I've been saved, I'm saying, come, Lord Jesus. Have you ever said that? Have you ever said, come on, Jesus? Have you ever done something so despicable that you just look at yourself and go, oh, how could I do that? How could I do that? I'm longing for this new glorified body so I won't have the presence of sin. He goes on to say this. They just have a great time. Talking about unbelievers don't grow. He said, groan. He says, they just have a great time. Oh, they may groan under the consequence of their sin, but they don't groan, groan because of they sin. They live to fulfill their lusts. But we, having the first fruits of the Spirit, find ourselves groaning within ourselves because there is now conflict for the first time in your life. For the first time in your life, you see the consequences of your sin, and then you groan. We possess the Holy Spirit. We're the temple of God. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. He has taken up residence in us. We are new creations, and now we're groaning. What are we groaning for? Waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons and the redemption of our bodies. Groaning. Have you ever groaned? One day groaning is going to end, thankfully. Notice the third word, redemption. Paul goes on to say this, we groan not only for adoption, but for the redemption of our body. Why is that? Because we sin. David in Psalm 38, he says, Lord, forgive me. He's talking about his iniquity, really his moral perversion. And he says, because of this, Lord, I groan before thee. I groan before thee, Lord, because of my sin, because of the iniquity in my life. In Romans 7 15 through 21 gives us a first-hand account of the battle that Paul had. Now think about this. Paul, in my opinion, is one of the greatest Christians that ever walked the earth. He wrote the majority of the New Testament. And Paul really kind of gives his after-conversion testimony in Romans 7. If you have, if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans 7, verse 15. Now notice what Paul says. This will help you in your spiritual life. Paul is just really telling us his struggle with sin. Now notice what he says here in verse 15, for what I am doing, present tense. 
He's not talking about what he did six years ago or right after he was born again. Paul says, for what I am doing, what I am doing, he's being so honest, I do not understand. If you look up that word understand, it's like Paul, it's like a mystery. It's just like a mystery to Paul. Paul says, I don't understand why I do what I do. Now notice what he says. This is an amazing verse. Verse 15. He says, for what I, what I do, he says, verse 15, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. Paul says, there are some things that I try to will myself to do, and I don't practice those. Then he says, but what I hate, look at the word hate. What I hate, I do. Isn't that amazing? Paul says, there's some things I know I should do, and I try to will myself to do those things, but I don't practice them at times. And then he says, there's some things that I know I shouldn't do, I hate it, but I do it. Can anybody relate to that? I mean, think about this is Paul. This is the Apostle Paul. He's our, he's our resident theologian, Paul. And he says, there's some things I should be doing. I should, and I will myself to do them at times, but I just can't practice them sometimes. Then he says, there's some things that I hate, and those I do. I say that to say this, you better know yourself. You better know yourself. Know yourself. Paul's telling us, you better know yourself. See, that's why it's so hard for me to fixate on somebody else's sin. I got enough junk to deal with myself, don't you? When I look in the mirror, I got enough problems. Paul says, for what I am doing, I do not understand. I don't understand how I can get here. Think about this for a minute. This is the Apostle Paul. And I love, I love how uh, MacArthur put it, and I'm going to repeat this. He says, notice, this is written in the present tense. Paul's not looking to his past before his conversion to Christ. He's not referencing his life when he was still a Pharisee. A Hebrew of Hebrews, he says looking for the righteousness in his own merit. He's writing in the present tense, addressing his present condition as he lives the Christian life. That's why Paul says, I groan for the redemption of my body. Listen, Stephen Davey says, the struggle with sin is what's so baffling to Paul. As a mature believer, he's mature, he's writing Romans. He's writing Romans. Now listen, he said, this struggle with sin is what is so baffling to Paul. He don't understand. Look at the word understand. It's almost like it's a mystery to me, he's saying. He said, as a mature believer, he does not understand why he's still sinning. When he has a new heart that loves God, he loved God. He says, I will to love God. I will to do these things. It is bewildering to Paul this point of major frustration because he desires godliness and holiness, but he keeps falling into sin. Paul is confused and baffled by this inexplicable mystery about himself. That's why you need to know yourself. Your sinful temptations, you need to know you. You need to know yourself. Hey, listen, I got saved when I was 20. Didn't get saved in church. A counselor led me to Jesus. And this is what he said. He said, start out reading the Gospel of John. And just all those temptations that, that cause you so much trouble, you got to flee those temptations. Don't go to those places. You know, you've heard it. Don't be around those people. Don't do this. You realize... I got saved on a Tuesday night, and that next Friday was the first time I didn't go out with my boys. Didn't go. The next Friday night, didn't go. The next Friday night, I didn't go. The next Friday night, I didn't go. The next Friday night, I didn't go. That turned into a year. 
turned into two years, turned into three years, then I became your pastor. Aren't you thankful it didn't go? <laughs> you realize, now listen to this. I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. I'm going to be like Paul. I know myself. I wouldn't even eat at an Outback type restaurant for 10 years. Couldn't do it. I just knew myself, right? Couldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. Wouldn't even pull in the parking lot. Is anything wrong with Outback? No, absolutely not. Matter of fact, I love Outback, Longhorn Cheesecake Factory. If you want to send me a gift certificate, I'll take it, all right? We can social distance. You can send it by card. I eat there all the time now. But as an immature Christian, couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it. There are places in Alexander County, Hickory, Charlotte, this boy couldn't go. There are some places I still wouldn't go. Amen? Just not going to do it. Now listen to this. This is what was so hard. There are some people just couldn't be around. Just couldn't be around them. I told the man that led me to the Lord after we rejoiced all right, in the Lord, I looked at him and said, what am I going to do about my friends? Because I knew. I mean, I was, on, I was a smart kid. Smart, made good grades. I was reasoning to myself, what am I going to do now? You know what he said? He'll give you new friends. You realize how hard it is to tell a lifelong friend no? Can't do it. Cannot do it. I remember people coming to my home. Still, we give you three more weeks, and you'll be back with us. Not coming. You realize how hard that is? I say that to say this. Know yourself. See, I had to make some decisions in my personal life that were so difficult to other people they didn't understand them. Okay? You know, there'll they'll, they'll be a time, you'll be, you'll be thought of as a fundamentalist. You'll be thought of as all these things. But your spiritual walk with Christ is so much more important, right? Know yourself. When I, when I counsel, and I'm a, I counsel spiritually speaking, that's the only thing I can do, all right? We get back to the point of knowing yourself. You know, I've told people this. Listen, you need to change jobs. If you don't change your job, you're going to be changing addresses. Think about that for a minute. You've got to know yourself. The Apostle Paul says, For what I am doing, I do not understand. And would just say, Amen, brother. For what I will to do, I do not practice. But what I hate, look at the word hate, look at that. You all hate it. We all hate it. But because of, you know, Paul goes on to say, Who's going to deliver me from this body of death? He says, This flesh. I think it's in verse 18. He says this. In verse 18 of this chapter, he says, for I know that in me, that is my flesh, nothing good dwells. For the will is present within me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do I do not do, but the evil that I will not to do that I practice. Look at the word practice. Practice. Now what's Paul talking about? I don't know. Maybe struggling with reading the Bible. I don't know. Probably more than that. He says there's some times in my life, I have seasons in my life, that I will to do good, but I do the evil and I practice it. Is Paul lost? No. He's just a human being living a real life in a real world, struggling with sin. Aren't you thankful Romans 7's in the Bible? Aren't you thankful? See, listen, you need to know yourself so well that you know when to say yes and you know when to say no. You know when to stay and you know when to go. 
All right? This will help your spiritual life more than anything else. You can get up in the morning and read the Bible. Listen, Christians are capable of anything. Anything. I know some good people that do some very bad things because they have weak moments. All right? And they just forgot to know who they were. Don't let anybody take you out of your self. Don't do it. That's why Paul says we groan for the redemption of our bodies. Because when Jesus comes back, we get a glorified body. You won't have to worry about it. But until then, Paul struggled with the, his sinful life until he died, just like you're going to. Okay? So it's really hard for me as a preacher to judge anybody. Just can't do it. Just can't do it because I get up every morning look in the mirror and I got my own struggles. So I'm not going to judge you for yours, amen? And that's why you have a body of believers that should, we should as Christians, be sympathetic toward others and help them through their struggles. Wouldn't that be a blessing if that happened? Instead of gossiping about your neighbor, you went over and helped them through their struggles and prayed with them. Even when they fell, fell seven times, a righteous man falls seven times and gets back up. All right? What if we showed a little bit more compassion toward people? And help them, as they know themselves, help them out. I think that would be a blessing. I think I try, I try my best when I counsel people to be compassionate because I try to put myself in their place. I don't know what they struggle with. I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't know how hard the struggle is. For some people, it's just so easy, isn't it? Some people, it's so easy. Some people grew up like Leave it to Beaver, Andy Griffith. We grew up like the Jeffersons. All right? I mean, it's just the way it was. You just... It's good times, I meant good times. It's just, just the way it was. Listen, there is a, but listen, sin-free living is coming. There is a physical redemption that is coming, and that's why Paul says in verse 23, we groan not only for adoption, which is heaven and all that it entails, which is glorious, but boy, I just delivered, Paul, Paul says, I pray that I'll be delivered from this body of death. Just take it. See, flesh and blood, this, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It just can't. It's not going to. It's just not going to. Until then, you're going to struggle, and it's okay to struggle. You should be able to tell somebody about your struggles and just stay between you and them. When we had our new members class, I said, this office is where I do counseling, and I said, there'll be things said in this office that'll go in my grave. They won't leave this room. They will not leave this room. And you know what I do when I counsel? I struggle with other people. You should be able to do that. Amen. The last word is this, and it's a good one. It's hope. Notice what he says in verse 24. I love this verse that Paul wrote. He makes this statement. He says, for we are we're saved. Now look at the word saved. One scholar said it's in the Aorus passive, which means we have been saved. It's a completed action with effects still to come our way. So you've been saved, but there's something else coming. And look at this. He says in verse 24, For we are saved in this hope, but that hope is not seen. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? Look at the word hope. That word means it's, a, it's, it's assured. You can have confidence in it. It's not like saying, I hope I get to heaven. Or I hope there's a heaven. It's like when my children were little and we bought a, a season's pass to Carowinds. When we were driving on I-77 to Carowinds, they never said, I hope there's a Carowinds. They would say, How are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? No, we haven't passed McDonald's and Taylor's, but we're not there yet. Okay. Are we there yet? They knew they knew Carowinds was there. They were just hoping. I know it's there, I just want to get there. That's what that word hope means. It's not I hope there's a heaven. We know there's a heaven. 
It's not I hope there's a Jesus or I hope there's a God. It's I, have, I am confidently assured of this hope, and I know that it's going to happen, and I live every day with hope. From time to time, I don't do it as much anymore. I'll email exchange with atheists, all right, from time to time. And I remember I was emailing one person, a very smart person. We, and I, if you're ever talking to an atheist, get back to Jesus. Jonah, all these things, that doesn't matter. Get back to Jesus. Historical person, lived a historical life. We have documents. We have his, we have his genealogy all the way down to Adam. Just deal with Jesus. Deal with his life, death, and resurrection. There's too much evidence to deny it. And, you know, when people get to that point to where they can't even understand what history is, all right, my, my, my question to this person was this, okay? Good person. They're not bad people. Just trying to figure it out. I just said, I want to ask you a question. You got, you got a family, right? Now listen to this. What is it like to live every day of your life without hope? Never got a response. What is it like to live every day of your life without hope? Because you have none. Paul says this, talking about the resurrection. If there's no resurrection... If in this life only you have hope, you are of most men most miserable, right? You know, when you share the good news, you share hope. When I speak at the prison, the warden before this past one said this, Jamie, the most dangerous man in this prison is the one without hope. He says the, the guys that have hope, they can get through the day. The most miserable person in Alexander County is the one who has no hope. And we are bearers of good news and we give people hope. This hope is a confidence assurance. It is there. It is coming. We groan, but we have hope. Job said this, For what is the hope of the godless when he's cut off? When God requires his life, Paul told the church of Ephesus that before you were saved, you, you once lived without hope. MacArthur put it this way, What this is saying is we have salvation, the greatest part which is yet unrealized, that is all bound up in our hope. It is wonderful to experience the joys of salvation presently, but they cannot be compared to that which God has prepared for us when, we, when our hope becomes reality. The writer of Colossians, Paul, says this, We have a hope that is laid up for us in heaven. Aren't you thankful? Nothing to be afraid of. Are you afraid of heaven? Are you afraid of Jesus? Are you afraid of the new Jerusalem? Are you afraid of... No, we have a hope. Death is our releasing, freeing us up to be what we were redeemed, what we're called to be. Paul said to Titus, he says, In the hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised long ages ago. Listen, do you have hope? And if you don't, let me ask you this question, okay? And I hope it burns into your mind. What is it like to live every moment of your, of your life, regardless of how much money you have or how happy you are right now, what is it like to lay your head on your pillow at night without hope? Think about that. Only Jesus Christ can give hope. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The same word. Will be saved. By faith. What are you trusting in right now for your salvation? When I got up this morning, my faith and trust for my salvation alone was not in my performance. It's not in being a pastor. It's not being a church member. It's in Jesus Christ alone. The resurrected Christ. What is your hope in right now? What is your trust in right now for salvation? If it's anything but Jesus, I don't care what you did in the past. You need to be born again today. You can pray on your own. You don't need a preacher to pray with you. You don't need it. Just call out to the Lord and say, I'm trusting in you today. I'm following you today. 
be my Lord and Savior today. I'm trusting in you alone today, and God will save you. And he tells us, this is my prayer for you in Romans 15, 13. If you'll notice the verse on the screen. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. When you leave this place today, live with hope. Work with hope. Witness with hope. Serve the Lord with hope. And face life with the hope that you have. Aren't you thankful for the hope that we have? Let's pray together. Father, as we come to you in prayer, I want to thank you, Lord. I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for the Holy Spirit. Lord, as we groan in this life, we groan with hope. Father, we thank you that we are one day we can, we can experience the adoption of sons. Father, we also thank you that one day we'll be delivered from this body. Paul called it a body of death. Lord, I pray that our church today would know ourselves. Lord, as we face this Sunday and, Lord, the work week to come. Lord, so many things can happen in a week. Lord, help us to make the right choices. Father, I pray that we'd be led by the Spirit into holiness. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for what you alone can do for us. And we love you today. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together, amen. Well, God bless you. Well, listen, I want to thank you for how you come to church and you kind of distance yourselves. Um, we'll have an announcement about the facilities uh, next week at our business meeting. Uh, and I thank you that whenever we dismiss, we're going to encourage you just to go on to your cars, okay? That's why we do it by sections. So if you'll just remain seated till we dismiss you, we're going to start on my left side all the way over. If you guys will just dismiss. God bless you. I hope you have a great week and hope to see you back here next Sunday.